Welcome to the Nerdaplexy Comic Movie Review Show. In this series, we normally break down and analyze every comic movie released between 1989's Batman all the way to 2008's Iron Man. But this is a very special bonus episode. <laughs> We've gone off the rails. We're diving deep into the Macaulay Culkin verse. This is a very special bonus episode. And joining me on this epic journey is my longtime friend and frequent co-conspirator, Sam. Need any dildo jokes? Wham, I'm the guy. And also helping us out on this one, it's our own social media bug. Is Dave. What's another word for balls? Nuts. <laughs> and the reason for the season, it's your favorite streamer and ours. It's Tab Twice. Hey, guys. Welcome to the show. Thanks. So sit back, relax, put on a funny hat, and grab a cigar as we dive into Uncle Buck. Thank you for uh, joining us this evening and uh, helping us talk through this. I know we normally go around the uh, table and talk about where we saw this one first. But before we do that, can I ask, what drew you to the Uncle Buck of it all? Oh, my. This is a family favorite. I've been watching this since I was a kid. My dad introduced me to this and The Great Outdoors. Those are two of my Family favorites, yes, absolutely. I've seen this movie so many times, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> but I do want to talk about it. That's good. You can get us into some of the deep lore. <laughs> <laughs> the Great Outdoors is like a perfect family movie. And then this one, I seem to remember as the perfect family movie. And then I feel like I probably watched it on TV. And a lot of the stuff must have been edited out. <laughs> probably. <laughs> this was a fresh watch for me. I thought I had seen this one, but I was thinking of trains, planes, and automobiles. Oh, man. This one is brand new to me. Another John Hughes. Get you right in the feels. I'm excited to hear what you what you think as an adult seeing it for the first time. And I've seen it like my whole life. So I've, I'm excited to hear your thoughts. This is a pretty fresh one for me. I saw this. I think I've, I've seen it on TBS or whatever a million times. But the very first time I saw it was uh, at a friend's house and his mom let him watch all kind of movies. I remember as a, like a six-year-old being shocked at all like the kids swearing and being very taken aback. Then again, this watch through, I saw that a lot of <laughs> people did get salty about that. So there's some <laughs> reviews with some salt for the language. Oh, boy. Which, come on. When a child says shit, you can't be bad about it. There's nothing cuter than a child going shit and saying, I'm going to tell on you for saying shit. The best. Very good. Yeah, but Macaulay Culkin getting on his sister, though, was the funniest. He's like, nails are digging to my arm, god damn it. Pick it up. <laughs> so good. And no one calls him. His sister doesn't call him on that one. She knows she was wrong. That was Chekhov's god damn it, because that comes back later. Yeah, it sure does. All right. Well, this one was released September 8th. 1990. Huh. I saw 89 somewhere else. 1989, I thought. Yeah, that's what I saw too. So we'll call it September 8th, 1989. It was directed, as mentioned, by John Hughes. And this one stars John Candy, Jean Louisa Kelly, Gabby Hoffman, and Macaulay Culkin, just to name a few. So this one, uh, yeah, it's another John Hughes movie. He, him and John Candy seem to get along pretty well. He's in a, a bunch. Oh, you know what? You know why I was looking at the wrong date? Because maybe this is a good time to pause. <laughs> I have accidentally pulled up the Uncle Buck TV series in 1990. What? I did not know there was a TV series. Oh, yeah. But there was half a TV series. Oh, boy. The main thing that differs this one from the movie is because in the movie, it's a shorter timeline and the parents come back. In the TV show, Uncle Buck has to stick around for a while. So 
in order to make Uncle Bucks uh, stay with the kids permanent, they do kill the parents. Excuse me? You got to kill the parents. I didn't know it was a Disney presentation. Mm-hmm, yeah, they killed. They died in a car crash, so Uncle Buck is there for the duration. Oh, my God. That took a real hard turn. I guess if this movie would have got a sequel, yeah, that would have been a good way to do it. <laughs> That's pretty bleak. Wow. <laughs> that threw me for a loop. What a left turn. Yeah, this one, okay, a little closer to uh, my birthday, August 16th, 1989. A good time. TV show does have a banger of a theme song, by the way. Thank you for that. It's good. All right, so we open, as many Hughes movies do, we get like a nice idyllic suburb, probably in Illinois, a Chicago suburb. I think they're in Chicago, but they're from, yeah, they're from Indianapolis. Okay. That's where they're trying to get back to, Tia, at least. But yeah, this one is set in an idyllic suburb. It also, interestingly, production-wise, all of the sets are in the high school gym, including all of the... Russell's house is built inside of the gymnasium at the local school. That's pretty cool. Is that just like John, a John Hughes regular thing to do? Because I, I read that about Home Alone as well. Yes, that is kind of what he does. He goes to a town and just kind of takes over the high school and built house sets. It's what he did, not to take Sam's spot. <laughs> right, he's dead. He can't do it anymore, even if he tried. We can get that out of the way as well. John Candy is 39 when he makes this and does, in fact, have a heart attack and die. A few more years, he makes it to 43. Pretty big tragedy. Sam, you can add them both to the Celebrity Death Watch. Yeah, great. <laughs> we we'll need to get a sound effect. We usually accidentally stumble into these. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this like, mo- oh, we what's do- he been in lately? Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Only <laughs> <laughs> really sad. Celebrity Death Watch, only on Nerdplexy. Let's get to know the three Russell children. We've got Tia. The high schooler, I believe they say she's 14, is like 14 or 15, I'm going to say. 15. I thought she was a senior from the beginning of the movie. And then about halfway in, they go, she's 15. She's old enough to know what's going to happen. And I was like, whoa, well, hold on. She's 15. And then it changed everything from the beginning of the movie in my head. Yeah. And then the two younger kids, I don't know. They seem either very close in age or maybe even twins. You've got Miles and Maisie. Pretty dope. Double M names there. I like that. They were definitely latchkey kind of kids, like a lot of kids were at that time. They were definitely by themselves. The mom was at work. The dad was at his other job or coming home from traveling for work or something like that. 
it's a a thing that John Hughes loves to see is kids that don't have supervision. Well, that was a lot of the experience. Kids grew up a little bit sooner, you know, way back then with the latch key, as you say. But yeah, Tia lets them in and we get introduced to the whole gang. I do have a quick cue here as we're going around introducing the whole family. We meet mom and dad. Um, How'd the dog get in the dryer? And more importantly, how he closed the door? I have asked myself that. I assume one of the kids put him in there. <laughs> I thought Tia put the dog in there because she didn't feel like dealing with the dog and then said, let the dog out. That's some wild head cannon. <laughs> but yeah, he is in there and he seems to be vibing. He seems to be pretty chill about it. He pops himself right back out. We never see the dryer work in this movie, so it's possible that's just like... That is true. The dog chills in. The, the thing has been broken because Uncle Buck later cannot figure that thing out. It just seemed like the lock was stuck on. I feel like you could fix that. Maybe. <laughs> I got real stuck on that. <laughs> on that scene, Dave? Because there's definitely like a lock release <laughs> on the back of that son of a bitch and micro or dish or what it was, a washing machine, the laundry machine. The laundry machine, yeah. Yeah. You're talking a lot of smack for a man who doesn't even know what the thing is called. The washing machine. Yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> no, the goddamn washing machine. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you have to talk dirty to it. I'm going to shove my load into you whether you like it or not. Come on. <sighs> Come on, you son of a bitch. Open up. He yells at the washing machine. <laughs> yep. It's just a, a little rough. <laughs> I'm like, dang. They got away with a lot. And I did not clock that as a kid, obviously. If I did, I would have had a really weird childhood. Yeah, no, I didn't either. <laughs> yeah, that brings an interesting question. What's the rating on this bad boy? It's got to be 13, right? Probably. That'd be my guess. Could it be? I, the ru- PG. The rules were wild back then. <laughs> PG. <laughs> Holy. That checks out. That's some innuendo, baby. <laughs> <laughs> the kids say shit. I would have thought that would have upped it to a PG-13 right there, but I guess not. There's like several words that do hit that threshold. I think shit is still okay because they do like damn, and that's fine. That's very low level. No, I got to say we messed up on that one. They should have got PG-13. MPAA should probably be like, we goofed on that one. Oh, yeah. We messed up as a society. <laughs> Well, this is 89. The rules were still a little lax then still, I feel. They hadn't quite cracked that code. Um, well, anyhow, the neighborhood is idyllic. The home life, not so much. We've got a stepmom, and there's a little bit of tangible tension. Her hairstyle was on point, though. It was a good time for looks. They were serving them up. All the hair in this movie is fantastic. Sharice later, thank you very much. Did people look older in the late 80s and early 90s? Yes. Because I watched it, I was like, there's no way he's 40. And I was like, he's 39. I couldn't believe it. John Candy was like my age. He was living a hard life. That's for sure. Everybody smoked. Nobody ever wore sunscreen. Good point. They ate a lot of Chinese food. <laughs> Pretty good uh, chopstick stuff going on here. The kids are having a really good time. Macaulay Culkin had one on each hand. Mm-hmm. It's quite a style. Picking up the egg roll. It's a good gag. I like that. Big fan. At this point, I was really having trouble taking the kid's side with anything. As an adult, I'm like, you got to be nicer to that lady. <laughs> she, she took on all, your whole family. Like, be, can we be chill for like five minutes? There was zero chill. But that was the point, right? You got to have that character arc. Yeah, I think you have to overdo it, I guess, because she gets a little bit snippy at the end. But I think for the most part, she's being okay. She's just trying to have some Chinese food with a little white wine. I see you, mom. Like, you had a long day. Get it. I'm here for it. This kind of attitude. <laughs> is a bit much. Then we cut to Uncle Buck having dinner as well with his lovely lady. Pretty good scene. Shanice, they're having dinner and they're kind of talking about why Buck can't get serious. He's got work in the morning. Is he going to be there? Is he not going to be there? Pretty good. I really enjoyed the pacing and like the stakes of this. Everything works very well. I really appreciate like how everything goes, how long they stay in each segment. 
it feels very kinetic in this story. There is a 175-page script to this movie, and they filmed a three-hour-long cut. <laughs> and that's, I guess, what John Hughes does. He'll overfilm scenes that, by all rights, would have meaning and would fit right in the movie, but then you can thoughtfully cut out the stuff that doesn't assist in pacing and doesn't get you to where you need to be, you know, from point A to point C in X amount of time. And the interesting thing is, like, all of that stuff is, like, rotting in a film vault somewhere. There's no deleted scenes on any of the DVDs that he released. None of that is available except you can find the scripts online and sort of see these like large swaths of Uncle Buck soliloquies. So what you're saying is we need to cast this and act it out. Yeah. <laughs> that could be. We could do a table read. Are the John Hughes movies kind of the white buffalo of the fan edit community? Basically, yeah. Yeah. So you you can't even you, you can't get it. Only probably John Hughes and his editor have seen it. There's some. If you dig around, I've actually seen a little bit. There's a part that's extended at Miles' birthday party with the clown. Mm -hmm. There's like a whole, have you, I don't know if you read about it, but I kind of wish they would have left that scene in of where he looks more like the hero because, you know, Miles is all embarrassed because he's got a clown coming and the kids are like, uh -huh. a clown. And then they, they like see him out the window and they watch Uncle Buck like beat the shit out of a clown. And then the kids are like, <laughs> yay. <laughs> and they think Miles is like really cool. And they're like, this is a great party. Yeah. Yeah. This is the coolest party ever. <laughs> that would have added three minutes to the movie and would have made the movie a thousand percent more enjoyable. Not that I didn't enjoy it. I really wish they would have left that. I think that would have been worth it. I can't see a reality where that's not better. A whole Macaulay Culkin subplot was cut. Uncle Buck is giving him this weird food for lunch. And the kids, they look like they're grossed out in the split scene that we have. And, the, you know, they're like, you know, get, get away from me. And he's still kind of painted as this unpopular kid. But what they don't tell you is in the script, he gets popular because a crowd forms around him every day. <laughs> See the weird shit. As he opens his lunch and sort of like reveals. Surprise lunch. The more ridiculous <laughs> things like, hey, it's, it's a tuna sandwich with no mayonnaise. Like that's all in the script. Like basically Uncle Buck made him cool inadvertently like Tab said about the party where he was like embarrassed because only five people came to this party and you know that wasn't a really great get but the next day the whole school having heard that his uncle beat the shit out of a clown they're all regretting <laughs> not going to the party so it added some more mystique to that Macaulay Culkin character right that is a shame that should have stayed I was kind of hoping that they were going to cut to the kids and they cheer or something or terrified because they're seeing two adults fight one of the two or yeah, like some like peaceful resolution, but the way that it is cut, it do seem a little yeah, dark. I think that clown died. I'm pretty sure of it. <laughs> Subdural hematoma and straight to the hospital. Probably died from embarrassment. That was a bad clown. <laughs> well, he had a rough night. Look, did you see his car? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get in your mouse. Hey, you need any dildo jokes? <laughs> I'm the guy. Yeah, for the kids' party. Bad clown, good car. That's fair. Good whip. All right. So, Tab, I'm wondering now, since this is a family watch, were there any scenes or lines or, like, quotes that became a part of the family's lexicon? Something that, like, you guys all, like, quote around the table or something? Oh, boy. So many. Uh, one of my favorites, though, <laughs> with my sister, uh, she and I always laugh about the part whenever he's at the high school and he's talking to Miles and Maisie in the back and he was like, why does she hate me so much? And he's like, you think it's the hat? No. No? A lot of people hate this hat. It angers a lot of people just the sight of it. So every anytime I'm wearing a hat or I get a hat, we always joke about like, is this a good hat? I think it angers people. I like that a lot. It's silly, but it was such a funny, silly line that we still laugh about it today. Like, it just angers people. That comes back to the party. 
the couple says, don't wear that hat at the party. You'll get killed. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a comeback. Yeah, yeah. And then the kid tries to take it from him at the party. He's like, give me my hat back. <laughs> I did like that quick little swap. Another question, though. Okay. Speaking of it being in your family history, okay, is there a scene that makes you cringe particularly or a quote that makes you like think, man, I really wish I could skip ahead 10 seconds or that I had the TV version. I didn't have the DVD or Blu-ray. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, man, you're going to make me think. Not really. Like nothing comes to my mind. That That's a cool family. I got to say, if I was watching this with my mom. And they said, if you, know, if you if you want dildo jokes, I got them. I would yeah. literally melt. She she wouldn't know what that was. My my dad, like we watched Austin Powers and all that stuff. And I remember asking my dad, what does horny mean? <laughs> That's like the kind of childhood. He was like, well, this is what it means. And I was like, OK. Yeah, baby. Yeah. So it was, that movie was absolutely PG in my house. So the rating is approved in my house. That's great. Yeah, because historically, Reed has watched, uh, I believe, History of Violence with his parents. Oh, jeez. Oh. And there's a very, very long sex scene. There's two. That... Oh, that's rough. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, well, it's not like a regular like Thanksgiving watch, but no, yeah, we we were <laughs> that's for Christmas. Yeah, right. Celebrate Jesus. We were all at a beach house and it was raining. Of yeah. course. So <laughs> how else? Yes. So then we couldn't even get away from each other. Was the worst part. The, the movie oh, yes. just kind of wrapped, and we we're all just still in the same one bedroom beach house. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna go stand outside in the rain. Excuse me. Thank you. <laughs> just sweating cool profusely. Down. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. <laughs> During the second, when the second sex scene started, I stood up and said, I'm just going to go ahead and fast forward. And everyone said, yes, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yes, please. <laughs> I'm going to go lay down. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't get into why grandpa had a heart attack. It may have been a similar thing. They went to Blockbuster, got something a little bit too spicy. Regardless, step granddad <laughs> has a heart attack and mom and dad, they got to go out of town. None of the neighbors will help them. They'd never even think to ask. The only person they got, Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck. Your brother, Buck. Now, I didn't look into too much trivia, but I did find a pretty good little snippet where John Hughes was very angry because he found out through like locals in the town that they were filming that John Candy had been out all night getting absolutely blasted the day before shooting. Oops. And he called and it was like mad at him. And John Candy was like, what? I'm supposed to be hung over in this scene. It'll be authentic. And I mean, he's not wrong. There you go. Method actor. John Hughes is not a big fan. Completely unrelated. I read somewhere where, or I think it was an interview I watched about Norm MacDonald on uh, Billy Madison. Oh, and shit. he's like hammered in the first scene. And he was like, <laughs> there was a little bit of a delay. And I was like, old Norm likes to take his time. Yeah. yeah. And then, maybe it's and an acting technique, maybe, right? Maybe he's going deep for this. Yeah, 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 right. And then I'm waiting a little longer. And I'm like, wow, he's, he's really milking this one. And then uh, a few more seconds, I noticed old Norm was sleeping. <laughs> right? Remember that? I got yes, to start. Sir. You yes, fell asleep sir. while the camera was rolling. Well, uh, uh, they wanted me to play a drunk. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's right, that's yeah. right. And so I said, uh, <laughs> you got some booze? <laughs> no, but also, also he called me Frank, and in my mind I was thinking, who the f- is Frank? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Makes sense. It tracks. It does. Yeah. Method acting. Good for him. This night, actually, surprising surprising everybody in the house, Buck is actually asleep. He's woken by the call, and he does have a pretty good wake-up scene here. It takes him a good 30 seconds. Pretty good bit. Those sounds were real, too. Like, that was that was guttural. Bob, that's part of his... Yeah, that's what he actually does. Well, especially worrying is, is uh, Uncle Buck's 
living quarters. I wouldn't call it living quarters. It was pretty bad. He did, in an inspired move, have his whole house fucked up to one clapper. That's a baller move. I felt like it was an apartment building. Like the circuit breaker was set up to the clapper. Everything just turned. <laughs> That's brilliant, if you ask me. It's very good. It's a one-stop shop. And a car alarm went off too, so that was set up somehow too. I love these, like the commercials that are inside of movies. Like, and we just watched Batman Forever, and they use the club in the helicopter, and then the clapper here is. It's that what such an iconic piece of kit for an old person's house. I had a clapper. I did get it from my grandparents because they never use it. And I had one in my room pretty much the whole time I was growing up. Worked pretty well, I gotta say. Pretty awesome. I dig it. It claps on. Claps off. Clap on, clap off. <laughs> it's the clapper. It's the clapper. You... <laughs> His apartment's a good slobby scene. He, you know, he talks to his brother. It's pretty good. And he's on the case. He does have to call um, his lady to let her know that he will not be coming in. As expected. As expected. Great funny line whenever she asks if he's going to be in, at work. And he says, Shanice, I'll be honest with you. If I could think of an excuse that you would buy, I'd use it. His pure <laughs> honesty is the best. I would love to be able to lie to you right now, but I know you yeah. won't believe me. <laughs> So I won't. We get a little, it's like a one-sided part of the conversation where she's yelling at him. It goes on for a little bit too long, but there's a bunch of bits in this that happen and I'm seeing them happen and it's kind of like filming a play or something. They're all like playing to the rafters and go on a little bit too long, but at the end of them, I always had a laugh. By the time I was like, okay, enough with this, something happened at the very end and they hung up and I bust out laughing. So I would have wanted the half a call to go for like 10 more minutes. I loved every second of that half a phone call of just him going, uh, uh, but I mean, but Shani, uh, I know. <laughs> Very good. The awe, I think, is what really got me. We hit with that awe. <laughs> just totally defeated. My kids, that's like one of their favorites. They love that scene. They do that to me too, and I'll be arguing with them. They'll go, but edit it. Edit my I like him trying to work through the kids' names because he knows Tia for sure. He's like, yep, Tia. Absolutely remember that one. And then we got some other ones. Larry, <laughs> yeah. He was close. <laughs> he was close. Miles, I guess L and M are pretty close in the alphabet, so you're right. He gets there, but before he gets there, there's a great smash cut to Cindy giving Bob a hard time about whether he knows how to get to the house. And he says, of course he knows where we live. He's an adult. Smash cut to him at the wrong ass house. Screaming, I'm getting pissed off here. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. Buck Bob really had me going, fuck, Bob, fuck, Bob. All the neighborhood dogs barking. Yes. Ten more minutes of him just knocking on every house until he gets to the right one would have been amazing to me. I would watch this movie for three hours. Hashtag release the Hughes cut. I was a little skeptical going in, but Candy's delivering it. Pitch perfect performance here. When he's interacting with Cindy. He gives you everything. It's zany and it's over the top at times, but the times when it's not, I think, is when it's working the best. Every time he interacts with Cindy, I think that that's like this movie. The tension between the two of them, where she's obviously extremely disappointed and has no faith in him, which, to be fair, she probably shouldn't have. But him just trying to be polite and doing his best. This first scene here really kind of endeared me to him. I mean, he does some questionable things later that we'll get to. But right here, and his trying to be so genuine with Cindy 
is really touching. Him talking about quitting cigarettes and stuff like that. Talking about the heart attack. What is it, an infarction or something? <laughs> but there's five-year plan from cigarettes to cigars. Yeah. yeah. Cigars to chew. Yeah. To pipes to chew to <laughs> nicotine gum. That might work. Every time they talk is pretty good. Elaine Bromka is doing a magnificent job of being very concerned but having no choice. So just trying to make the best of it, like in her eyes, like the tension there. The plot is just basic. We're coming up to big challenges, and it's mostly just a series of gags. The plate stuff, which is one of my favorite scenes here, where he smashes that plate. Oh, yeah. The unbreakable plate. Unbreakable. <laughs> I audibly gasped. I went, oh. I mean, really good. This movie was engaging me on a, on a level that I did not anticipate. And what I loved was what came later, and he's discussing the plate with her. How, yeah. how old are those plates? Old? Yeah. So I could just go well, to like an antique store, right? Oh, England, huh? <laughs> yeah, England. And that was another half of the call that you only got. What I really like about that is most movies where there's a there's a redemptive arc for a character. Before the people return, he's replaced the plate. They'll like look at it a little bit. They'll shine it, and they'll be like, "Oh yeah, that's the same plate it was when we left." No attempt to return the plate. Just a just <laughs> just an offhand comment. Like, where could I get something like that? England. All right, never mind. I'm sorry, <laughs> can't do it. He's a pretty good character, and enough things become relevant, and you know you don't really think about it. Buck in the morning is making breakfast. Tia giving him all the sass in the world. And to be fair, my man is making absolute madness in the pan. I have no idea what that was. Do you want to know? I need to know. <laughs> Tell me you know. I read that part of the script and it says that it's really dry scrambled eggs, bologna, onions, and peppers, I believe. And the half grapefruit. Is Miles allergic to onions or is that he just doesn't like them? I just think kids don't like onions. That's crazy. His line when he comes out, he's like, cooking on garbage. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is good? Childhood interrogations. So where do you live? In the city. Do you have a house? Apartment. On a rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? I don't have one. How come? I don't need one. Where's your wife? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? It's an even longer story. Are you my dad's brother? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. I'm your dad's brother, all right. You have much more hair than your nose than my dad. How nice of you to notice. I'm a kid. That's my job. The interrogation scene is, that's iconic. For my money, like, the best. This is what makes him famous, right? Because Macaulay Culkin's good, and he's been in some things to this point. He's home alone next year. So this is, like, the moment, this little scene here, I feel like. That sets him apart from, like, all child actors in my mind is this scene. Absolutely. So funny. 38. Yeah. I'm your dad's brother already. Yeah. Right. So good. <laughs> I guess when they were doing the shot, reverse shot, John Candy had cards with his questions and he had them on his forehead. So they're shooting over his shoulder and you can't see just Macaulay's perspective to help him get the questions out rapid fire. They kind of had cue cards that he was going through, which I thought was pretty fun. Yeah, that's good. There's definitely an argument to be made that Macaulay Culkin was the best child actor. He just is so natural in everything he does. Yeah. There's... I would agree. Let's check his filmography. Some TV stuff. Rocket Gibraltar. So it's, I guess, more TV, more TV. Billy Livingstone in See You in the Morning, 1989. Jeff Bridges, Farrah Fawcett, Alice Craig. Also 89 is Uncle Buck, where he plays Miles Russell. He is Gabe, unaccredited, in Jacob's Ladder, oh. 1990. Home Alone, 90. Only the Lonely, Billy Muldoon. Don't know that. He's in the Michael Jackson black or white music video as Blonde Kid, uncredited. We'll move on past that. 
1991. <laughs> he's Thomas Sennett in My Girl. Then he's in a TV series, Wish Kid. I loved Wish Kid. As a kid, I tried to pride myself on movies not making me cry, but My Girl? Oh, that gets you. Dear Lord. It's those bees, baby. What a terrible scene. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, that's 92. Darlene Love, All Alone on Christmas. In a shocking amount of music videos and some short films, that's pretty much it. Page Master in 94, Richie Rich 94, then Saved in 2004. So that's pretty much his uh, movie career. Pretty strong. Oh, what about The Good Son? Did you ever see that one? Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I, did. I missed The Good Son. That's a dark one. 93. Very good. I haven't seen that one. Elijah Wood in that. Oh, The Good Son? Young Elijah Wood. It's dark. Elijah Wood was also a pretty talented child actor. That's true. I got to say, most of these lists I'm looking at don't even have Macaulay Culkin in the top 10. But the IMDb list, which I'm taking as this is what everyone thinks, he's number four behind Drew Barrymore, Dakota Fanning, and Haley Joel Osment. I'll allow it. Sixth Sense was pretty solid, though. That's some good acting. Masterwork performance. I'll give you that. But I don't think he's got the breadth because your good son, Macaulay Culkin, plays like a spooky kid. It's a very good movie. I mean, he plays a spooky kid in Home Alone, too, but it's just shot a little different. Yeah, I don't know. I think I put him higher on that list. I think I put him up there. I think top three for sure. It's a question of the era, right? Because there's Shirley Temple and stuff like that. True. For more of the golden age. A legend for sure. Of the 90s, I don't think anyone would argue. Of the 2000s, that's where you get your Haley Joel Osments. He's certainly got the 90s on lockdown. That's that's for sure. Absolutely. We're calling it. We're the authorities. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give him the 80s number too. one of the late 80s and all 90s. All 90s. Congratulations, sir. Until he, until he quit, I guess, 94. That's it? Release the balloons? <laughs> <laughs> he did it. You got it. He only got and done did the dang thing. All right, we've got him on the phone. I think we've got him. World's best coffee. Think <laughs> No, we don't got him. We don't got him. I don't. Next time. Next time. Next time, we'll get you. Dad not found. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, pretty good. All right, so let's talk a little bit about Uncle Buck's car. Oh. Everything about Uncle Buck is a little bit off. It's a little bit grody. It's a little bit dirty. It gets the job done, but it's a little bit rude about it. Like his car... And it's big, bad farts. I definitely thought it had hydraulics, but it's just the suspension was bad. He can make that thing backfire on command, though, which I think is a feature, not a bug. He paid extra for that for sure. <laughs> I'm guessing. Shanice hooked that up. She wants to know where he is at all times. <laughs> we d- They did talk about the struts at one point. The band? <laughs> because he did have to say he loved her for the shocks. So, you know, I'm thinking that this car is actually sentient because of the perfectly timed backfires. Ah. A Herbie the love bug. Because Ooh. of the smoke screen. I think it's a reverse love bug situation. It's just a despair bug. Oh. I like that. Like a low budget night rider, you don't think? No, it's just so miserable that it came to life. It just like it's like an Eeyore car, basically. Thanks for noticing me. Kapow. <laughs> 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 That's why I make all the smoke. I just want somebody to see me. That deserves its own show. Yeah. I think so. Next week on The Very Sad Sedan. See? Now we're talking. That's the show I'd watch. This sentient, very sad car. Yeah. This is paranoid android stuff. You gotta love it. I'm here for it. Grumblebee. If that car could talk. Grumblebee. Yeah, it would scream in pain. Tia feels much the same way. Of Pes- Pessimist Prime. Oh. <laughs> okay, I'll give you that one. I'm workshopping it. 
<laughs> she's, she's rolling around. Tia, not a big fan of being driven to school in it. She was able to bend herself perfectly in half to hide. And everyone ran from the very loud explosion. So she got away with that one, I think. Hey, do you think in 2022 you'd get away with a car backfiring outside of high school as a gunshot joke? I don't think you do. <laughs> Probably not. Absolutely not. That did not age well. There's a lot of stuff that wouldn't wouldn't fly, probably. <laughs> yeah, it's a little less funny when all the school children cower in fear from the loud noise. Pretty big bummer there. I do think Tia and Uncle Buck's relationship is pretty buck wild. It's Uncle Buck Wild. Huh? Thank you. Thank you. I don't know. I think I could both take it a little bit too far. Maybe he's very childish, so he's getting wrapped up in the drama, but she's trying to destroy his actual adult life. Yeah, she's pretty dark. He did threaten to shave her head. True. How'd you like to spend the next several nights wondering if your crazy, out-of-work bum uncle will shave your head while you sleep? See you in the car. He claims to see himself in her, her boyfriend, Bug, but I think he sees himself more in her mm. as somebody too who was taken advantage of, maybe. He's coming from a, a good place, but it's pretty extreme. Now, but you mentioned Bug. He's dispensing with some tough love. And he, he does the cliche, like, I'm going to take you to school or I'm going to come in my pajamas tomorrow and follow you to your class. <laughs> yeah, it's just a little bit of escalation. You know, you, you catch more flies with honey. I mean, his, his methods work, I guess, in the end. His threats of violence and felony kidnapping charge, but many threats of violence. I don't know if you guys caught this one. It backed up <laughs> some of them. <laughs> I do love the hatchet scene. Oh, yes. Love me a good sharp hatchet that could circumcise a gnat. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Gnat? Bug? Oh. The target of a lot of this <laughs> violence is the character Bug, which I don't know if you guys noticed, is a returning Nerdoplexy uh, cast member. Just from the last movie we watched, Jay Underwood, the Human Torch. Oh, hey. Really? Did not realize it. From the Fantastic Four. Yeah, that's Bug. Oh, man. It's a very bad movie. He said a storied career, huh? So back at the crib, Uncle Buck is hanging out. He's looking through the family photos or the, the wedding photos and notices that he has been folded out. It's pretty tough. That's a pretty beat maneuver considering, one, the picture fit perfectly in the frame with him in it. Two, how often are you looking at your photo album that the presence of somebody who was actually there is that upsetting to you? I mean, they don't really delve into what he has done to, That's to these people to make them so angry, except that he's just kind of childish. He set their bushes on fire or whatever. <laughs> or th- that actually might be one of the extended cuts too, that he says like, hey, I'm really sorry about the time. Sorry about the fire. Yeah. I set your bushes on fire. I didn't know the barbecue <laughs> would get that big, you know, and that close to your house. But if that's the only thing he did, accidentally set a fire, I mean, that's not enough to take him out of your wedding photos. He must have done something pretty bad. Let's not dig too deep into that. He's kind of a degenerate, and we know that he's kind of like a drunk. He's unreliable. He makes his money for the year betting on fixed horse races, and he seems to be proud of that. He's a big fan, which I guess this could work if you can get it. His horse fixer is the bartender from The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I don't know. And he's not in it anymore. Brian Tarantina. Yeah. He's, he's got the forever exit from that show and, and any other. Is it because he got caught fixing a horse race? No, it's, it's yeah, in real life. He's Oh, he's dead. He's not doing. Yeah, he did. Oh, uh-oh. Great. Thanks. <laughs> Jeez. Anyways, <laughs> who is dead? Who's alive? Celebrity death watch. I'm Nerdaplexy.
Well, just when we finally got ourselves out of that hole, so to speak. Celebrity Death Watch. He's also in uh, Jacob's Ladder, by the way. Oh, really? <laughs> Great. He plays Doug. Everybody's in Jacob's Ladder. I mean, it's a good flick. Spooky. I haven't seen that one in a long time. Anyhow, Buck gets into a little um, glass house name calling here when he's making fun of Bug for his name being Bug. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do we think a Bug's name could be? Where are we getting Bug? I think that's his legal name. I feel like that's a lifelong nickname, Bug. She says it's his first name. Bugsy? Bugsy? Okay. That's a name. <laughs> could be. Could be. <laughs> Not like something like Gus. That wouldn't get you there. I don't know. It's pretty good. Let us know. Maybe it's Maybe Anthony. Beauregard. And Ant is short for Anthony, and Ant is a bug, and it's a long way to get there. Ah, that's not bad. Okay. I like that. That's pretty good. <laughs> I don't hate that. Yeah, there's an actor in um, The Little Rascals. He plays Alfalfa. His name is Bug Hall. Oh, really? Bug Hall? That's pretty good. And that was the only other person besides Uncle Buck, the character named Bug, that I've ever seen anybody legally their name was Bug. That's tough. That's a hard childhood. Yeah. Hey, if you're an actor there, that's pretty good. That's true. You want to be set apart. I'm looking at that headshot, the kid named Bug. I feel like the novelty begins and ends with Little Rascals if your name's Bug, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he went on to do much. But... <laughs> and probably not great things. You're shooing for a rascal, though. Miles is doing well. He and Buck hit it off pretty much instantly. He's on board. He gets a nice little scene when he's talking to his mom about how he's uh, he's busting his humps. <laughs> At least he's learning a trade. He's washing the dishes. You love to hear a little kid talk like an adult. Like an adult. It's the best thing. It's a classic bit. Does he got to do everything around here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I see your ID? Can you take it out? <laughs> In her face, take it out. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, that's the worst. Isn't that the worst when they make you do that in real life? That's a solid joke. You're like, really? All right. We watch a lot of stuff that has things that are funny in it, but it's nice to watch a movie that has like actual jokes that are good on purpose. That's a nice change of pace. It's a good time, especially after the last two movies that we just did. This is really nice. (laughs) And the uh, stepmom, mom. She tearfully thanks Buck for helping out because it seems like he's got everything under control. She completely disregards everything Tia says about how bad he is. That was her first attempt to gaslight someone into thinking Buck is evil. Yeah, and she was like, yeah, you're just going to say whatever, aren't you? But you see that he's like uncomfortable with gratitude because she's like, thank you so much. And he's like, yeah, see you later. (laughs) Is this the phone call where they talk about the dog? We talk about the plates and the dog. Yes. Oh, that's that explains the discoloration in the lawn. Yeah. I just <laughs> left the toilet seats up. <laughs> that's why the water's blue. It's, huh. So, so they shouldn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. He feeds the dog <laughs> five to six times a day. Pretty good. Pretty good gag. The scenes with him on the couch, the multiple scenes you see of him watching TV with the dog on the couch. Those are some just of my vibing. favorites. So funny. I need a couch vacuum. Right. I need that in my life. It's a good bit. Yeah, I got crumbs all over me. Falls asleep immediately. I like the toothbrush bit where they, he tells the kids that he has a forensic toothbrush analyzer. Very good <laughs> stuff. I enjoy that the clumsiness, it seems like it's um, more refined to the, the Tia of it all. And I think that's nice that the kids are kind of immediately on board with Uncle Buck. Like, you do your stuff real crazy, but we're into it. And I I love that their energy with Uncle Buck is uh, really good. 
I love that they call start calling him UB. That was a really nice touch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's just like a a switch that gets flipped somewhere like three quarters of the way through, where they just he's just UB now. I feel like to save space on the script, he wrote UB in there, <laughs> and they were supposed to say Uncle Buck, but they said UB, and they're like, "That's in. Just keep we're keeping it. this. That's some good shorthand to have with your uncle." I like the part where it's Miles' birthday, and he's making those gigantic. <laughs> pancakes i feel like that was the Mm -hmm. turning point and when the kids were like okay yeah this guy's pretty (laughs) darn cool he actually does have his act together he knows how to use a snow shovel to make pancakes it was like surrounded by sausage that was like four sticks of butter had to be on top and i was like absolutely i would eat that no problem you should see the toast i can't get through the door yeah in case you want to see somebody else do the exact same thing you just watch the intro theme to the uncle buck tv show they do it again oh do they really Funny. Now I kind of want to watch that. It's a good bit, and it's guaranteed to work. I doubt that there is a kid on this planet in single digits who would not absolutely die if they saw a pancake as big as the table. That's a hit with anybody. I'm 37, mm-hmm. and I would love that for my birthday. <laughs> That's what Just I'm saying. saying. <laughs> That's a dream I did not know I had. I do feel like you sacrificed some quality. Although he did seem like he really knew what he was doing. I think he had that sanitized snow shovel. <laughs> ready for this exact thing that he's been doing forever. I'm sure it was sanitized. I'm sure it was fine. That looked like a giant pizza wedge or something. It was a very smooth shovel. Right around here is where we have the laundry scene that we kind of alluded to where... That made me realize whenever he says, I'm going to shove my load into you whether you like it or not. Come on! <sighs> Kids don't know anything. Like you could, They could have put almost anything in this movie and it would have gone right over my head when I was a kid. They might as well have been... Twice as explicit because I, if I didn't get that, I don't know what I would have gotten. <laughs> she, she even like comes in and says like, "Who were you talking dirty to?" Then you know I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, it could have just been swearing at somebody. That's again, yeah. yeah. Again, I knew like I, this is the, my first time seeing yeah, this that, movie, so I, I knew was probably what it like, meant. Hmm, he is talking dirty. <laughs> That's rude. How rude. Uncle Buck, in order to save Tia from her boyfriend takes them to a bowling alley and leaves her unattended. This made me very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Same. <laughs> it's not great. I don't love it. I mean, it's cool that he comes to her defense or whatever, but it just kind of seems seemed like a weird place to, to throw that in there. The dude had like a black eye, so you get the idea. Like, this isn't his first offense. He like just <laughs> skeeves around this place all the time and everybody's just okay with it. Kind of okay with it. Before they leave, though, she's she's waiting by the door, like just looking longingly out the window. Miles comes out and he's like, waiting for your sex. (laughs) (laughs) So cute. Adorable. Yeah. What an adorable way to say something so gross. I know. That's what siblings (laughs) say to each other at that age. (laughs) Absolutely normal. Not true. (laughs) Well, You didn't say it to me, Dave. I didn't say it to you. That was pretty spot on. The comfortable contempt I thought was really nice. Buck gets a tip on a hot race. He beats the shit out of that clown. The mouse car, big fan. Great mouse car. I did like the mouse car. Big, great mouse car. Tia and Bug go to a party in what appears to be an old burned down cabin in the woods, which is, if you're going to go to a party as a high schooler, I feel like that's a pretty good place, a burnt out cabin in the woods. Oh, for sure. How did Buck know where this was? Man, Buck knows. Buck knows where shit goes down. Buck knows all the spots. Kidding me? The funny thing is, I never for a second questioned how he knew where to go. Me neither. He asked somebody. He's kind of like a tough guy or whatever. That's his persona. I'm sure he just 
run around to somebody's house and be like, hey, where's your kid? Where's your kid? Where do kids go nowadays? <laughs> they talk about a little bit later how <laughs> Buck was a rambunctious kid. Buck was the rebellious one, and he kind of needed somebody to tell him, stop being so rambunctious. So he's got like bad kid radar. He knows where the cool kids hang out. A place in the woods where there's a bunch of busted up bottles, you know, cool kids hang out there. That's probably where he was like three weeks before that. Exactly. <laughs> he ended up drunk there one time. He does fit in pretty much wherever he goes. This is the hatchet scene you guys were talking about where Buck goes a little bit nuts. Yeah. Gets axe murdery. <laughs> he does exactly the right thing in this situation. He sees that Tia looks uncomfortable. Could be because he's there. You can never tell. But he does threaten <laughs> a young boy with an axe. And that needs to happen in more movies. <laughs> the exact right thing to do. Dave. Dave, 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 Dave. <laughs> yeah, so Buck goes to school too. So he goes to visit. There's like all these like perfect little vignettes. They never outstay their welcome. You go from the cabin in the woods thing. Now or next day, he does some antics. Oops, oops, I'm still smoking my cigar. I better put this out. Run to the bathroom. Uh, it, it's a little kid's bathroom. Got to pee in a tiny urinal. The baby urinals. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> yeah, I could see, since you said that, it's all like in these short vignettes and these these scenes that are kind of like very evocative of like a bigger broader storyline for each individual scene that exists. I can see why they saw this movie and they thought, yeah, we could probably turn this into a TV show. Every one of these things he does could have been stretched out to 40 minutes with commercials or whatever easily. Yeah, that's like an episode. Maisie's in trouble today. You know, that's the thing. And then I, you know, he goes in, whatever. He does scream on the uh, the principal or assistant vice principal, whatever she is. Pretty good. Well, to be fair, calls her a melanoma head. She, well, he calls himself a melanoma head. Uncle melanoma head. <laughs> Speaking of Austin Powers, it's the exact Austin Powers mole scene. Yes. Yes, it is. I can't not talk about... It's the original. Yeah. <laughs> the OG mole. The OG. Then the teacher calls Maisie a blasphemer because she says, God damn. They call children a lot of names, and I do have a list here. She's a bad egg, a twiddler, a dreamer. A silly heart, <laughs> a jabberbox, and the her other teacher does, in fact, call her a blasphemer and picks up a ruler, which for all you Gen Zs out there, they did used to smack you with those. That's the thing. On the fingers sometimes. Yeah, not a good time. Our principal at our middle school had a paddle, and if, if you did a high enough crime, you had to go and get a paddle. <laughs> yes, you did. What a, what a weird thing. Yeah, man. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle of our parents got fully beat on to they had to keep it a little bit quiet when we were kids, but they still did it. And then now, like, no, no such thing. <laughs> the idea is crazy. The assistant principal has been the assistant principal for 31.3 years. Point three. Point three. That's an awful long time to just be an assistant principal, though. Yeah, I have questions. She ain't even trying. <laughs> well, who knows where she started? How many principals has she gone through is the question. Yeah, that's true. If it's the same human for that whole time, then maybe they have a really good relationship. But uh, I'm guessing they churned through principals because she exists. <laughs> She's pretty awful. She just wants to be the power behind the throne, you know? She's the advisor. Principals come and go. The assistant principals forever. <laughs> the little kid that's waiting when Uncle Buck's waiting to go and he's like, I'll go in before, you know, I'll I'll calm her down. That little boy's face when he's yelling at her and he makes that little smirk, that is He's so happy. 
one of my other like favorite scenes. His little smile makes me so happy because we've all had that moment when we were kids where we heard somebody get in the business and you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. This is good. This is what I needed to see. This is great. I shouldn't have heard that, but I'm glad I did. Exactly. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> it's very good. Some good reaction shots. He has a really good, ooh, a startled face. I did want to mention Pooter the Clown, the clown who did get himself beat up. Hold on. The clown's name is Pooter? It was. How did I miss that? Is it really? <laughs> yeah, it's Pooter the Clown. He is, in <laughs> fact, played by Mike Starr, who is one of the hitmen from Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> oh, wow. That's funny. We love a character actor here on Nerdoplexy, and this guy is a classic heavy. He's been all over all the TV shows, Law & Order, Days of Our Lives. Love that for him. I feel like at this point, every actor has been on an episode of Law & Order or Days of Our Lives. I think so. I think Law & Order is the Days of Our Lives of our time. Pretty sure it's still going. <laughs> Everyone's at least been a corpse on Law & Order. Yeah, exactly. There you go. I can't wait to find out at the very end it's... Law and Order was all on the snow globe of like a serial killer. <laughs> Law and Order was just the friends we made along the way. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, everything's starting to go pretty well. Buck, he's very proud of himself. He thinks like he's got this parenting thing all figured out. But little does he know we're at the end of the second act. So something bad has to happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> something <laughs> wicked this way comes. Yes. There is a cute little phone call between him and Shanice where they're talking about the names. Aha. For her body parts that he has. It's an answering machine message. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wrote here uh -huh. that her bun dimples are Lyndon and Johnson. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mickey and Minnie are her breasts. And Felix is what we call your, and it gets cut uh, off. Felix, Felix is what we call your. <laughs> the meow. Thankfully, gets cut off. We saved the children. Had to keep that PG. Yes, saved me. A very good cat bit. <laughs> yeah, I think it still probably went a little too far, maybe. But, you know, hey. They didn't have me in the first half, but they would have definitely lost me. <laughs> <laughs> the cat joke is good. I like the cat joke where he brings in the cat and he says, oh, the cat was outside. He's like, oh, we don't have a cat. I'm like, oh, shit, okay. Take the cat back outside. <laughs> Pretty good. Tia does do a plot here and sets Uncle Buck up. She's tired of him screwing with her life, and now she's going to screw with his and tells... Shanice that he has been going out and drinking with Marcy after he's convinced her that he's on the up and up now. Um, How great of a I, movie is this? If we got this far and we never even mentioned Marcy, Laurie Metcalf, who's absolutely oh crushes in this bananas. Movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's such a crazy great, neighbor. Great psycho energy. Whoa. There's another scene with her in the grocery store. I think it's in the trailer. That's one of the few deleted scenes that kind of still exists because of the trailer. And she's in the grocery store and she's saying, like, why do I find you so attractive? That kind of lends <laughs> itself to the difference between the first scene where they meet and she's just like nutso. And then the next scene where she's like all over Uncle Buck. Yeah, I could have used that. Her energy is very high. She kept the hyphen in her divorce because mm -hmm. she kept the frost. It's pretty good. Yeah, which is a good She gets pun compliments too. on it. Yeah. <laughs> she brings her own records to parties, which I really liked. Yeah, she just walked in. Yeah, for the second time. Every time. No knocking. Mm -mm. You got to love that time era. No one locked a door. Right. We didn't. I, I don't know if she has a key because she lives across the street or whatever. She seems like the friend that would abuse that. Like, hey, can we leave our spare key with you in case we ever get locked down. Like, oh, sure, 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 sure. And my girl just rolls up all the time. Proto Kramer. 
Oh, absolutely. She's going through their stuff. She's rifling through everything for sure when they're not home. <laughs> yes. I'm guessing she knew that they weren't home and she was just doing this on her own. She has sampled all of their prescription medicine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> She's tried on all of the Mrs. Underwear. Yes. And Mr. Oh, yikes. <laughs> well, She's in the house. She refuses to leave unless Buck dances with her. And while they're going, Shanice has pulled up to see if it's true. And then we have some comedy of manners. Um, and Shanice believes that they are together. She thinks that this is confirms what she's thought all along and does, in fact, blow it for Buck. She leaves and drives away very fast with, I think, my favorite line in the movie. Buck says, come on, you're wrecking the driveway. <laughs> and then she's like a block away. She goes, he's like, I love you. I love you. <laughs> she's way gone. <laughs> Tia kind of rubs it in his face. Is like, yeah, I did this. This is all on me. And after that, Buck is like, you know what? Screw it. Everybody thinks I'm a scummo. I'm going to be a scummo. And decides to take some kids to the horse track. It sets it up by telling it to the dog first and then giving the dog beer, which I was not a fan of. He gets drunk with the dog. Beer and pretzels. Yeah, that's aspirational scene. This is a very good scene. Mm -hmm. When he says, you know, people always used to say, Buck, man, you're doing great. Like, you've got it all. Like, ah, oh, man, you got it made. And it's like, uh, they don't say that anymore. Listing everything he doesn't have. Yeah, man, that's cool. I, I really like that. I was a little bit on the fence. I'm like, okay, there's some funny bits in this movie, but that kind of emotional bit right there really turned it around. That and them calling him UB. That's some real world building that I was into. He goes to the horse track. He's going to take him there because Tia has dipped and it stood him up. She left school and she told the kids that she'll be back Sunday. He's going to kind of go about his own biz and get his cash money. But he looks at the kids. He's worried about Tia and he decides, I got to make this work. I got to find Tia. So he calls Shanice and says, you got to help. You know what I mean? You got to come up. She grudgingly agrees to help out. Because there are kids involved. Because there's kids. And I think, I think honestly, I think she wants to believe it's true. Mm -hmm. She's saying she's over him and then she's totally done. But I think in the back of her mind, she's willing to give him really a third, probably 30th, 300th chance. Mm -hmm. Here's another sign of the times. Whenever she comes to, to the house to say, you know, like, hey, I'm friends with your Uncle Buck. That the fact that Uncle Buck has already gone is telling like mm -hmm. there's no reality now where you're like well i know someone's going to come to my house in a half hour i can probably go now they'll be fine for a half hour like that doesn't happen anymore nor should it yeah maybe not <laughs> i don't know maybe you know i feel like miles is pretty responsible you could trust him i mean there's that show that sending the toddlers to the store that japanese show what is that yeah that's great well you know i mean i Heck, at, at six, me and my brother, we were roaming the neighborhood. Old enough. He, he, I, I was six, he was nine. I'm like, okay, just don't go past Fawcett. I'm like, all right, cool, see ya. I do feel like Buck did know time was not on his side. Right. He knew that she was going to be gone for the weekend, and there was probably a party about to happen. Time was not on his side. And he knew that Bug was going to try to wet his proboscis. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'll hold for applause. <laughs> Dear Lord. <laughs> It looks like you're going for a high five with your background. I just keep thinking. <laughs> I am now. Don't leave me hanging. Proboscis. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. That's a bad joke. I wrote it and I was so ashamed of it. But then I thought, you know what? I have to say it though. Oh, you had to say it. Okay. Now, Tab, as an avid watcher of this movie, there's a scene here, the mail slot scene, that I must ask what your theories are. Am I dreaming or was there a moment when he was flipping the mail slot open and closed 
that there were three people peering in the mail slot. Did anybody catch this? Anybody see this? Yeah. Yeah, I saw, I didn't know what was happening. There. Yeah, see, and it, what was that? It's interesting that you. I think it. I think that's them kind of just saying this is kids' imaginations running wild in a way. But uh, right, mm-hmm. yeah, he can't be too careful. Right, it's kind of funny because it made me think of Home Alone. But now you're saying like I didn't yes. remember that this movie came before Home Alone. Right. Right. Yeah. That's what made me check because I thought, is that a Home Alone gag? And then I was like, no, comes out later. Exactly. I thought it was a reference for years. I wouldn't be surprised to find out that that scene is the progenitor to the Home Alone idea. Like an Easter egg? Because that's what it feels like when you see it. Let's play with this idea. Mm -hmm. In my mind, I couldn't jump to the imagination part because I'm a middle-aged dude and imagination's dead now. So I couldn't get there. (laughs) R.I.P. I can imagine you with an imagination. I appreciate that. Apparently, people are saying, now this might be apocryphal, but it is kind of what you guys are talking about, is that he's he mentions there were bullies chasing him. Is this a flashback from something we missed? But apparently, people had mentioned that filming this scene is the inspiration for Home Alone. I didn't find that when I was looking stuff up, so I'm very happy. Yeah, who knows, though? Who knows? Let us know what what you guys think. I feel like it is. It makes sense. It does. It checks. It's an interesting idea. At the beginning of the movie, he is chased. He's saying that there's a group of boys who are chasing him, seventh graders or something, who are beating him up. He was running from them. So maybe uh, in that moment, he's imagining those boys. It's a trick, and he's been tricked. So that's why he has to be extra careful, and she has to take the ID out of the holder. And now I have to wonder how much of Home Alone was in his imagination. Because I feel like a lot of that stuff would kill those oh. guys. So maybe... Almost all of it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Almost all of it. Maybe that's all in his imagination. Yeah, no one takes a paint can to the face and is like, I'm okay. Right. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Or gets their literal head lit on fire with a definite melting beanie. He was not okay after that. Yeah. Nah. I recently rewatched the second one because the kids were into it. At one point in time, he's on top of a building throwing bricks down at them. <laughs> And he lands, I think, three shots on Daniel Stern. And I thought every single one of them would have killed him. And it just keeps happening. That's enough to take down like an armored knight. Yeah, man. (laughs) You're just doing murders. They're just the wily coyotes. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Of the 90s. I learned that coyotes run way faster than roadrunners. And I, I feel like that ruined my childhood learning that. Oh, why did you say that? Thank you. I'm sorry. Thanks. I spread misery. That's not I a problem. Know, man. No, that's birds. why. That's why the Roadrunner has to be so tricky. That's why he's got to do all the acme oh. stuff. Smart. Smart. Because he knows I can't best you physical, but I can best you mental. It's wicked smart. Wicked smart. <laughs> it's a wicked smack. Mm, wicked. Yeah. So Buck finds out this part. He's going to this rager. He's going to find Buck. He's going to find Tia. He's going to make this thing right. You get one scene of him walking in. Cut. Next scene, my man's got a brewski. He's walking around. Say, how you doing? Smoking a cigar. Yeah. Yep. He's the cool guy now (laughs) that all the kids are still staring at. He thinks he's the cool guy. Well, he thinks he's the cool guy for sure. Exactly. The kids don't know. They don't even know he's an adult, right? He just blends in. We're seeing at this point Bug making moves on a girl, and she's saying, hey, you know, quit it. And he's like, nah, we're doing this thing. Now, that was Tia, though, right? The first half. I think, yes. I think initially the very first thing we see. And that's why she double split. Before he even got to the party is 
he tried those moves. Let's go out to the car or whatever. And she's like, no, nah, thanks. See ya. And then and then maybe later in the party before she left, he decided, OK, I'm going to hook up with this other girl instead. But there is a confrontation and it is not his niece. It is another gal that is I don't know. I felt about this scene. The big long drill and the threats of bodily harm. That's pretty bad. Don't love it. He does do a kidnap here. It puts him in the trunk. <laughs> Justified. He was trying to, I mean, she literally said, stop it. I don't want to do this. And he was still going. I think this kid had it coming. I think he deserved to be kidnapped. Yep. Taken to a secondary location and have golf balls hit at him. <laughs> Law and order. Duct taped. Absolutely. Law and order, baby. Get him on the horn. This is just a fat Batman. Where's Jerry Orbeck when you need him? <laughs> there you go. Well, he's coming from a good place, and that's what I will say about it. He meets Tia. I really like this scene. I also really like the soundtrack of this movie very much. There's some good tunes in here, but the synth work, baby, the synth work in this thing. So good. The best. Tia's little, has like a little kind of moment here, and uh, they have a heart-to-heart, and through the magic of sound and kidnapping, they come to terms. Buck and Tia are now good friends. She comes clean. I was getting a little misty-eyed on this one. It's good. At this part. I was like, oh, man. Their connection, their chemistry is very good. I think apparently they got along very well on set, and she was a fan. She said it's like the greatest honor of her life was like working with him or something at the time. And you can really see that. He says, you know, there's, you know, there's uh, one family charity case that uh, loves you very much. Yeah. Hits all the feels, yes. It does, yeah. It didn't absolutely wreck me like Trains, Planes, and Automobiles does and did. <laughs> it didn't, like, destroy me for a week. <laughs> it felt it in the moment. I was like, that's very heartfelt, and it's it's hitting me right in the right spot. It's hitting you right in the nose like a door kicked by a woman you love. <laughs> Tia comes clean to Shanice, and they have a nice little chat. And it's obvious that he's buck his gas drop a little bit. He gets his good comeuppance. The flight that he took, wow. That was like some crouching tiger hidden dragon stuff, man. He floated graceful as hell through the sky. At the end of the fight, he has such a good line. He goes, you know, we should do this one day, you know, a house and a family. <laughs> and she just like, like chases him because that's good. It was the whole conceit. It was such it was such a nice moment. Why didn't you think of this? <laughs> that's that's great relationship stuff. Honestly, if you told me that that was ad libbed, I would absolutely mm-hmm. believe it. Well, all is well in the Russell house. The folks have, are coming home now, and they need to have another one little heart to heart here again. And a, a beautiful shot of when mom gets home and the camera pans up and sees Tia silhouetted by the door and the light coming in. Great cinematography there. Love that. And it's another little heart to heart. They they lock eyes. Tia. Some really great face acting she does here, uh, Jean Louisa Kelly, really selling the teary-eyed look here. Very good. She did a great job. They do a hug. Everything is great. Oops, yeah, I was gonna say. lots of pants fall. It has to end on a joke. See, that was a, a huge amount of damage, and then they just leave. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's definitely... See you later. It's definitely because he's been hanging laundry on there, right? Oh, true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That was not meant to hold all that wet cloth. <laughs> I did see in a featurette where John Candy said that they were actually putting wet clothes in the microwave, and he was very surprised to find out that it really works. He was like, actually, it works. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I didn't know that that would work. Good to know. <laughs> in a pinch. I would just be so worried that there'd be like a little bit of metal fiber or something in whatever clothes I had. I got it like a weird white elephant gift. 
a year or two back, and it was slippers that you microwaved. Oh, so I like that. Yeah, I think you could get pretty buck wild with that, you know. Now hold the phone, get Uncle Buck Wild with that. Yeah, okay. And we're back. I like this idea. Look at them up. <laughs> we'll get a Shopify page going. We'll sell microwavable slippers. You can check that out at flushhorse.com. <laughs> now, this uh, this property isn't based on anything pre-existing. It's not a based on a comic like we normally do, but there is a convergence we can have here, more of a cartoon convergence, as we can talk about the 1989 to 1992 animated television series Camp Candy. Let's have the convergence. What? Oh, man. What a gem. Also, and I didn't read any of them because I couldn't track any down, but they did make a six comic run of Camp Candy. So it's there's still mm-hmm. uh, there's still a, a way to get to the comics through this movie. Yes, there is. This one I will allow because John Candy basically always plays John Candy. His character on Camp Candy is just basically every character he's ever played. So pretty good. It ran for three seasons, 89 to 1992. John Candy did do the voice. I don't know that I. this was one of my cartoons, but I did know of it. And it was an all right one when it came on the rotation. Yeah, it's basically uh, John Candy being really clumsy. But ultimately, like, I don't know if it's something that we've completely gotten away from, but it's an era of cartoons where there had to be like a moral. So like toward the end, he would say like, you know, this is something about yes deforestation or something about this bird. You know, there's they're still teaching kids about wildlife under the umbrella of this, like, goofy camp counselor. Have you ever wondered how different plants scatter their seeds? They can't move around like animals or people. Nature has taken care of everything with something called seed dispersal. Most plants produce many seeds so that at least some of them will land on suitable ground. There are several different ways seeds are dispersed in search of that suitable soil. One is wind. Think of a maple tree on a windy day or the last time you picked a dandelion and blew away the seeds. In windy conditions, these seeds can be carried far away from the plant that produced them. Did you ever wonder how fish can breathe underwater? I'll tell you how they do it right after the show. The forest recycles too. That's right. How do you think nature does it? In a slightly different way. A lot of this rain will evaporate and the moisture will go back up into the clouds. Then someday it'll fall as new rain all over again. That's recycling. This old tree is recycling, too. As it rots, it releases all the minerals stored in its leaves and branches back into the ground. That makes it a perfect spot for a new tree to spread its roots. This is what's left of that old tree now. It's called mulch. Why is it important? Because it has all the natural minerals important to trees. You can see how important recycling is to the forest. So I guess you and I have got some catching up to do. See you next time. I mean, it's prime G.I. Joe time, and yeah. you, ha- you had to have a moral at the end. The more you know. Do you think that it could you could sell it as well? You can get grants and stuff because you do like X amount of educational content per episode or something like that? There's an episode of Conan the Barbarian where they teach him to read. Open up! Open up, I say! I'm a hungry man! We're closed! Can't you read, you stupid barbarian? You dare call me a stupid barbarian? Why such anger? After all, the sign did say closed. My anger was not because it was closed. I cannot read. In her tiny garden. 
Gar garden of two, two, two lips. I'll never learn to read. Be patient, Conan. It takes time. When her ma mother? When her mother? I may be a barbarian, and I may be big, but I am not dumb. <clears throat> I wrote this. Spices, candles. Well, that's good that Conan could read. That's canon. Yep, Conan the Adventurer can canonically can read. English only, though. That's a tongue twister right there. Good for him. <laughs> can Conan read? Conan can. I, for one, support literacy amongst all barbarian adventurers, I think. Let's all read. Uh, <laughs> this one was a pretty big hit at the box office. The budget on this one was $15 million. Pretty nice and respectable, for especially with a big star in there. Opened to 8.7. The worldwide full final gross on this one was $79 million. So Whoa. pretty profitable. We're probably never going to cover it, but I do want to say that Home Alone, I was looking that up as well, made $476 million. So Hot dog. Well, there's no need to adjust the ratings for time. Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter has got this one at 62%. Audience score, they love this one. That's at a 76%. I think that's fair. I think this is a fun movie. I don't know if I'd watch it. My kids are a little young for that washing machine scene, but I, I think a few years. My kids are as old as I was when I watched this, and they're too young to watch this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just got a different stilo than my parents did. <laughs> well, we'll get to our final opinions on what we thought of this movie in just a moment. But now we have to uh, hit up our penultimate segment where we decide what we liked, what we hated, what we liked to hate, what we hated liking, and who was the best and worst. It's time for Who's Your Hero? Who's Your Villain? Let's start with um, let's start with Villain. Ooh, start with Villain. That's what I said. So let's, let's start with Villain this time. My villain is that newscaster when Buck was sitting there watching. There was a moment where they said that, like, take that, Karl Marx. And I was like, nah, I don't think regular local news is going to be doing that. This guy was doing too much. He's the only part of the movie I didn't enjoy, the newscaster. <laughs> <laughs> so utterly niche. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> There's at least one person that agrees with you. I hope so. I'm going to go ahead and say that teacher that did, in fact, call that little girl a blasphemer. That seems like a weird thing to shout at school. In fairness, she did blaspheme. Reed didn't go to Catholic school when it shows. <laughs> I mean, only immediately after she did <laughs> blaspheme did he call her that. <laughs> it's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I'm going to say my villain is the cholesterol content in that pancake plate. Oh, man. <laughs> That'll kill you. Yeah, that's a rough one. Oh, but so good. That's a bad start for a little kid. Mm. What about this syrup? But it did look delicious. The syrup content alone, you need to get like an industrial bucket for that baby. Maybe a sugar-free syrup. Oh, <laughs> well, that's, that'd be good. <laughs> it's like getting a Big Mac and a diet soda. It's okay. They offset. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a 14-pound pancake, but don't worry. I use sugar-free <laughs> syrup. Tab, do you have somebody you'd consider to be a villain or someone you thought was good at being bad or bad at being good? I would say Marcy, crazy neighbor. She's the good, like, yeah, oh. yeah, crazy homewrecker 
bust into your house. She's definitely in your business. She knows everything that's going on in the neighborhood. She has psycho neighbor <laughs> vibes. No, thank you. Yeah, that's a good choice. She's probably my least. But in a weird way, you kind of like her, too, because she plays the role like everyone knows a Marcy, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone in this movie hit the exact level they were supposed to, I think. It was great. This is a good director. He, he's getting exactly the performances that he wants at just the right levels. Very good. Okay, Tab, if you would like to start us off, since you picked the last villain, you can take your stab at the first hero, if you'd like. Oh, that's an easy one. It's the dog. I mean, that dog oh, lived through yeah. a dryer. He ate six times a day. He drank beer. <laughs> he was drinking blue water from the toilet, and he's still kicking. That dog is a party animal, and that's my hero. That dog's name was Belushi, I think. Yeah, and that was a dryer that Uncle Buck may have had sex with. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. I mean, it's... <laughs> Allegedly. It's possible. I mean, just just roll that tape back and it's... <laughs> roll that beautiful bean footage. <laughs> oh, boy. <sighs> My uh, hero for this one is, is Buck. He was great. Everything he did was like he had the right amount of heart while still being funny. He did kidnap a boy. That's probably not great. What are you going to do? That boy was a bad boy, though. He was. He was He was not a good boy. He's a bad boy. I think he should have hurt that kid more. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think he got him with the golf ball a couple of times. I was worried that he was going to beat him with the golf club, but the golf ball, <laughs> that's much better. Right. It's much smoother. I liked about Buck that he had that redemptive arc, but not too redemptive. You know, there's still an... It wasn't like saccharine. Yeah, there's still enough of that that old fun-loving guy in there, but he's come around on the idea of family and responsibility. And his hat collection. But not on not on growing up too fast. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. On point. Absolutely. He had a good style. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with... Maybe not the best hero, but I liked her arc. I'm going to pick Tia. From the beginning, she was ready to step up and take care of the kids because Uncle Buck was not putting forth a very good caregiver energy. She did, I think, go a little too far a few times, but that's kind of what the... Kids be that way. Such are teenagers. That's what a kids do. Sometimes mean girls happen. Right (laughs) after she betrays Uncle Buck, when she tells Shanice that she's been out with Marcy, she hangs up the phone, and there's a moment where she realizes, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. And there's like a real sadness. As she's like kind of resolving herself, it cuts away. And it was one of the better moments. Mm -hmm. I like the melancholic moments here. There's, I think, maybe some in that three-hour cut. There's a little bit more of that. And I would like to believe that cut that's a little bit more melancholy a little bit sadder but hey that's just me i like her energy my hero i'm gonna go with macaulay calkin but not the macaulay calkin we got to see the macaulay calkin that was written and his whole story arc i love the idea that he was able to use the oddity that was his uncle watching him and giving him disgusting food as a spectacle to (laughs) increase his popularity and his legend in his school and the currency that he received from his uncle beating up a very bad party clown. (laughs) I think I would have liked to see a little bit more of that and maybe one more heartfelt scene between Uncle Buck and Miles, but... And I also say Maisie, too, is a... Oh, yeah. The kids were great. Honorable mention. The kids were pitch perfect in their immediate buy-in of loving their weird uncle. They did not need to be convinced whatsoever, except for that Macaulay Culkin thought that he was cooking their trash. 
besides that, <laughs> such a good line. But that was like the only negative thing he had to say about him the whole time. A boy of that age, that could turn out to be a check in the pro column at a certain point. In about 15 years, he's going to be like, I get it. Well, that's something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These scrambled eggs really need onions and bologna. Yes, they do. They do need a little bit. Of, you need a little base, a little textural change. Well, we're not a big fan of his omelets, but what are your final thoughts on Uncle Buck and would you recommend this movie? I'll go first. I haven't seen this movie in a long time. If you're a Hughes fan, I'm sure you've seen this one as kind of just an 80s movie. They, this is a kind of movie that isn't around anymore. Maybe this is a Netflix series or something, but it's an odd object. It's a good movie. It's pretty propulsive. It's pretty nostalgic. I would suggest it. So if you haven't seen this one or if you are looking for an 80s movie, this is a good place to start. Good place to go. I had never seen this one until today, and I would absolutely recommend it to anyone. From the start to the finish, it is just a fun ride. They have the right amount of downer where they don't stick to it too long, but then they come right back up with a few gags, and it's just a really great comedy you don't have to think too hard it's a real fun time yeah i hate thinking <laughs> i loved it of course it's a classic in my mind and anything that can be funny and still sort of make you feel something i think that's quite the line to straddle and john hughes seems to be able to straddle that effortlessly and the cast he always chooses impeccably also i sent you guys a link there's another uncle buck series in 2016 with mike epps got an eight episode season <laughs> That's that's interesting. Oh, no. Well, that's exciting. <laughs> yes. That's the proper reaction. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I'm going to watch this one. I'll watch it, but oh, I man. may not like it. No promises. <laughs> oh, it's a guarantee you won't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, what did you think about uh, Uncle Buck? Would you recommend it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think they do a very good balance of heartfelt and hilarious and John Candy's, you know, the the not a dad, but yet the perfect dad character. He plays it so well. It's I think it's a it's a good one. Like we said, there are some things that kids it's maybe like look away but it goes over kids' heads. My kids enjoy it. They're 10 and 15. They think it's hilarious. I've thought it was hilarious. It's good, though, but it does have a good, happy, heartfelt feeling. But you're laughing most of the time as well. And it's just a good balance. I think they. I think it's a good movie. It's an easy watch. Absolutely. I think that that is exactly right. This movie goes down smooth. It's constructed perfectly in just the right amount of chunks every time you're about to be like okay i'm done with this it's already moved on we're we're hitting the next scene hughes makes good movies and this is certainly no different well the porn parody's uncle it was always going to be uncle oh god yeah of course sorry Oh, no. If you have to make one, yeah. <laughs> Although I really don't like... Original cast in that one? I, I, I wasn't going to say it. No, God. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I wasn't going to say because I was worried about the ramifications, so to speak. <laughs> right. And uh, maybe it'd be Step Uncle Fuck. Who's being casted as the washing machine? <laughs> <laughs> that could be a thought to ponder. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stuck in the washing machine, Step Uncle Buck. God. I'm sorry. It's all bad. Where's the link for that one? <laughs> uh, I never even considered, it never even crossed my mind that this is where we would be. But here we are. Head on over to nerdaplexy.com for more of that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> or Flesh Horse. Fleshhorse. Fleshhorse.com as well. Thank you. Easy to remember.
so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you so much, Tab, for joining us here on uh, for Uncle Buck. This has uh, been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks. What's your handle? Oh, yeah. No, you can find me at uh, on Twitch at Tab Twice. Pretty simple. I'm the only one. Excellent. It's very good. Get there, subscribe, watch some some good RimWorld stuff I was watching today. Mm-hmm. Very good. Oh, yes. That's pure chaos, and I love it. Get yourself onto the the uh, the Subber Band. The Subber Band? Ball. and <laughs> Yeah, Summer Band Ball. <laughs> yeah, the whole 17 pounds of it, yes. Very good. It's a very large ball. That's ridiculous. Yeah, well, by the time this comes out, you'll be on to your next ball, actually, so... That is true. And we're starting a new one <laughs> on in August. So yeah. I have to. This thing's getting out of control. I have to start one every year. It's ridiculous. <laughs> very good bit. I like it very much. <laughs> well, head on over and check that out. Stop on by on Twitter. We are uh, screaming into the void at Pod. While you're there, you'll be interacting with our social media manager, Dave. Yeah, you can hit me up at the face of Dave. Let me know what your favorite weird 80s movie had stuck around in your house because ours was Solar Babies. A weird 80s movie. Solar Babies? Solar Babies. I probably saw that movie 50 times as a kid. I never saw it, so. You tell me. What's your 80s movie that stuck around? I I, I have it. Sam, if you want to see it. No, I'm good. <laughs> I assure you, you do not. <laughs> I'm a little younger. I have, I have 90s movies that stick with me, so. Like Groundhog Day. That would be the one I probably watch most. That's a good one. Probably besides Muppet uh, Family Christmas, I have to say it was t- uh, Terminator 2. Well, yeah. I don't know why. It's solid. I mean. Fantastic. Because it's way better than the first one. Terminator 2 had it on. I taped it off H. Taped it off HBO. Hey, Edward Furlong, great guy. It's basically just an Alex Mack fanfic. That's why you like it so much. <laughs> I won't deny that. I would never deny that. I'm ready for a Mac attack. Um, you can see more uh, hot takes like that over uh, with me. I uh, hit me up on Letterbox. Read underscore Nerdaplexi, where you can um, see some of my latest ratings. Just uh, just saw Nope. Very excited to talk about that on the next mini-sode, where you'll also be able to find out what movie we'll be watching next. You can also hit up Sam at PGH underscore SVH. Uh, and uh, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, again, we'd like to thank Tab for coming on and talking about this flick. Um, I, I, we probably, I don't know that the candy verse of it all would have gotten it on our radar otherwise, but uh, thank you so much for letting us watch this movie. It was a nice departure. Yeah, absolutely. But now we can have a spin-off podcast where we just talk about different iterations of Uncle Buck. Oh, boy. I'm in. <laughs> Talking Buck. <laughs> Check out our new Patreon series. The Buck Stops Here. <laughs> oh, The Buck Stops Here. <laughs> the Buck the buck Never Stops. Oh, there it is. Stay tuned for more info on that. Uh, but until we meet again, we'd like to leave you with this thought to ponder. Hey, guys, uh, what was it that they called Felix? Um, The wonderful, wonderful cat? I'll tell you when you're older. (laughs) Dave, you're such a silly heart. A twiddler. A twiddler. A dreamer. A jabberbox. It's been a long time. Are they still alive? Only on Nerdaplay.